20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of Pack a Day Podcast. This is the 265th edition of Pack a Day Podcast. I am your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. I am joined today, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. Find him on Twitter, at Ross Uglum. We have a fun episode today. We got the Hog Mollies today. We got the interior offensive line that we are going to go over. So before we do that, though, Ross, big weekend for you, my man. How are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm good. Just a cool moment in sports. And, I, you know, <laughs> I uh, – I understand that this is not a Tiger Woods podcast. I get that. Um, but what a what an unbelievable thing to to witness, to be a part of. I, I get that golf has different requirements athletically, but to win anything uh, 13 years apart from the last time you won it is, is pretty wild. Uh, when you throw three back surgeries and a knee surgery and, uh, you know, a very public – personal meltdown in there very just very few stories like that in sports 100 percent. and for the people that uh you know obviously that are just listening to this podcast you know ross tweeted out today i believe it was uh you know this monday going back to work and it was something along the lines of if you are not wearing a red polo at work today do not even look at me let me assure you all Ross Uglum has his red polo on today. He's coming. He's coming for you. And so I just expect this podcast maybe to be your best ever, Ross. I, I I can't I can't imagine anything else. So with that said, let's jump right into it. You know we have the interior offensive line today. And before we even jump into that at all, let's talk about you know specifically for the Packers, Ross, feeling you know with Cole Madison coming back, Billy Turner signed in the offseason. How big of a need? A month ago, we maybe were saying, you know, interior offensive line might be the Packers' biggest need. Where do you where do you think uh, Packers stand with that today, Ross? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty low on the totem pole. I think that it, it would behoove them to get somebody in there with some talent if they don't really feel like Cole Madison is a guard. Uh, I know the, the the common wisdom is that Madison is a guard or, or should be a guard at this next level. But, man, was he a really good right tackle. And, and I get that there are some athletic limitations uh, with him, you know, at tackle, and, and there might be some concerns, uh, you know, having him play out there. But he sure did it well uh, when, when, he, when he did it for Washington State. So if, if he's a guard, you know, then, then I, I would say you have very little uh, concern because you got McCray, if you like him, I know they like Lucas Patrick as a center prospect. They have Lindsley, who is a Pro Bowl level player, signed through 2020. Lane Taylor has a very reasonable contract, and they just committed pretty big money uh, to Billy Turner. So, if Cole Madison, you know, is your backup right guard, McCray is your backup left guard, you got a backup center in Lucas Patrick, you're pretty set, and and uh, I just, if, if they want to add somebody 
you know, to, to take over for Tur- for uh, Taylor or they want to add somebody, you know, because Billy's deal is pretty easy to get out of after two or three seasons. I can, I can see that. But at the same time, if they're just like, hey, we're good, you know, we're going to try and take tackle, I can see that too. Yeah, and that's not even to mention like your Nico Saragusa, who was a uh, fourth round draft pick two years ago. You know, yeah. so they have some guys there too. Alex Light too is another guy that you know our our very own Andy Herman is is really high on. So they have they have bodies there. They have people that I think they're hoping you know will emerge. And so I, I like that room right now, and I agree with you one hundred percent, Ross. Um, you know, and with the twelfth overall pick drafting that high and you know maybe when we get to 30 we could talk about it but 12th overall that's such a a premium spot to be making a selection and the Packers are not in that position very often at least they haven't been historically so if you're if we're drafting that high and they would take an interior offensive line yeah I'd have that'd be a tough pill to swallow um so we're not really even going to talk about that just because um, I don't think it's really going to happen. You know, you mentioned off air, the one guy that maybe would make sense there is, is Jonah Williams if he was there at 12. Um, but even that, you know, I I would have, a, I, like I already said, I just have a really hard time getting over that just because of where they're picking in this draft. And don't get me wrong, I like Jonah Williams. I think he's a very fine football player. But at 12, nah, no thank you. Um, so let's talk, though, about options at 30. You know, 30 is where I think, you know, especially like I said, like a month ago, Ross, when we were talking about, you know, interior offensive line, maybe being a position of need. Um, that was really a spot that I think was really popular with amongst Packers fans to kind of strike and and try to make that pick there at 30. So some names I'm going to throw out um, that would maybe be in that range at 30 um, and I think would fit the Packers athletically. Um, the three names I'm going to throw out are one Garrett Bradbury from NC State. Chris Lindstrom from Boston College, and then your boy Dalton Risner from K-State. Um, and, Rosh, just walk me through those three prospects and and how you think they could potentially, you know, what they're good at, what they struggle with, and and how they would fit in with Green Bay. So I think, you know, the number one guy, if we're going to talk about this, is Dalton, because I truly believe Dalton can play tackle at the National Football League level and succeed, which, uh, you know, has to – uh, yeah, let's see how to phrase this. That he provides basically to me left guard to right tackle viability. He was in all big 12 centers of freshman and then played three years of some of the best right tackle in college football period profiles as an above average athlete, not an elite one, but an above average one. It can play right tackle if you truly need that. Otherwise, Lane Taylor goes down, boom, you have a plus left guard. Um, Lindsley goes down, boom, you have, a, you have a plus center. He has the most to offer. The second guy I would you know consider would be Lindstrom. He's a tackle, I believe, at Boston College. I know at least he played right tackle. Uh, very, very, very good athlete and somebody I think that you know could kind of play whatever end of – Billy Turner doesn't end up playing. So uh, if, if Bulaga's out and you want to play Lindstrom at right tackle and keep Billy at guard, you can do that. If Bulaga's out and you want to play Billy at right tackle, you want to plug Lindstrom in at right guard, you can do that as well. But a very, very much a plus athlete and somebody that has a little bit of positional versatility, uh, which makes him more valuable than, uh, of course, the other guy, which is Garrett Bradbury. Uh, 
Garrett's a former tight end that they kicked inside the center and a guy that I just don't know if he has enough weight in his pants to play guard, uh, even in his own scheme. I, I still think he's a center-only prospect. I think he's going to be an awesome center. I think he has the upside to be a Pro Bowl, maybe even an all-pro level center. Uh, just a really, really good player uh, with with tremendous, tremendous athletic testing. But is I think, in my opinion, as frankly Corey Lindsley was, a center-only prospect. And that – I think is why he comes in from a Packers perspective as the third most valuable guy uh, that you just talked to. Sure. And, and before we get too ahead of ourselves here too, you know, we're going to keep talking about, you know, guys that, that fit and have the traits to kind of fit in that outside zone scheme that the Packers are, are going to run underneath Matt LaFleur. And so before we get too far ahead of that, so it just makes more sense for everyone, Ross, what, what are the types of traits that, that a, a general manager would be looking for in a collegiate offensive lineman to be able to kind of play that guard in, in a zone scheme like the Packers are good are wanting to run? Uh, movement skills, number one. I mean, that's that's the deal. You have to be able to move. Um, and, and, then, and, of course, from a guard's perspective, that's sometimes not incredibly different because if you're in a pin and pull system, you know, where, where you're pulling, you have to be able to move there as well. But that's – almost a little bit more running uh, where the you're, you're, you're opening up your hips, you know, and you're kind of wheeling around. Whereas in a zone system, everybody kind of shuffles, not the right word, but you all kind of step as one and you're doing it at sort of an angle and, and trying to reach defenders and cut off defenders and create a lane for your back. And, and it's, it's difficult to, to kind of, verbalize that but I'm sure if you saw a zone scheme against a pin and pull scheme you would pick up on it instantly um, if you want to you know check on YouTube uh, and I would guess that some really really smart football people have kind of gone through all that and so uh, that is certainly a possibility for, for you guys to do that but that that's kind of the main difference is they can be a little lighter uh, as long as they can move and as long as they can get up and and, and reach linebackers and be able to you know, kind of roll out in space without, you know, looking kind of like a joke. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, when I'm watching film on interior offensive line, you know, you hit the nail on the head. Those are two, two things I look for big time or one, your hips, you know, if you can open up at those, you know, 45 to 90 degree angles and, and get that movement. And when you see a guy moving, you know, you can tell what kind of athlete they are. Cause if they're a, you know, if they're a kind of a clunker, you, you can tell, you know, they, they don't take good angles. They they kind of have to round things off. But you see these athletes that can come out and make these like you know almost like a sharp cut, like you look at like a receiver doing. Um, obviously not to that level, but you know those are three guys that that I definitely think can do that. And you know, and it's it's not necessarily about you know putting a guy's you know face mask in the dirt in the zone scheme. It's more about getting your body into a position that you're kind of sealing off defenders. Um, so. That's, you know, the zone scheme has become super prominent in the NFL, kind of for those reasons um, that you can kind of get away with guys uh, that aren't, you know, your maulers. But uh, so beyond picks at 30, Ross, I think we can kind of just go back and forth here and kind of just talk about guys, um, you know, going off of what you basically just talked about for the the zone scheme, guys that we think um, might potentially fit in Green Bay. Um, so I'll, I'll start with one. I actually got three here that I want to eventually talk about, but my first one here, 
Um, his name is really fun to say. I got two guys on here that their their names are are fun to say, and I actually have the pronunciation in front of me because it's difficult. So my first guy, his name is Yelda Froholt from Arkansas. Um, he is, you know, when you talk about those guys that are athletes, he is an absolutely elite tester. He's a guy that might have to kick into center. Um, I think the kind of the deal with him is if he doesn't end up in his own scheme, people are going to want to play him at center, but this guy's got a plus nine RAS. What's really interesting about him is, you know, he came over to the United States from Denmark as an exchange student when he was a sophomore in high school and he had never played football before, picked it up, loved it, was great at it. But at, with exchange students, if you're familiar with that, they only get to stay here for a year. Um, so he had to actually go back to Denmark for his, his junior year of, of high school of what it would have been here. And he played like in a semi-professional league or I don't know how that works over there, but he continued to play football, got it probably in like a club type setting. But then he came back for his senior year and he actually played at IMG Academy. And he was a top 15 defensive tackle recruit coming out of high school, which is super impressive. When you watch him, you can tell. He's new to the he's new to the to the position and to to the sport, um, but you the at the elite the elite traits are all there. And I mean, the dude is he's I mean he's I, he, he's probably going to end up being a Minnesota Viking because he practically is a real life Viking. I hope he doesn't. I hope he's a Packer. Um, but he's a guy that I'm super interested in. Ross, I don't know if you have any thoughts on him or if you want to give me someone uh, that you're interested in uh, as a potential target for the Packers in the mid rounds. Yeah, I've got a couple of guys, and, um, you know, I'm just going to go straight off, and if you guys have a chance uh, to check it out, it's just my RAS shortlist, my my relative athletic score shortlist from Kenley Platty. Uh, We've talked about it a a whole bunch. In fact, on that list, there's a Twitter thread that I've embedded of his that, um, you know, from, from from the top, it uh, explains everything about it and, and how he came up with it, what it all means, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so the, you know, your, your guy Froholt is, is there. Uh, another one that's interesting to me a little bit is Connor McGovern from Penn state. I really like him. I like the way that he moves. He's got a very, very high, uh, RAS strangely also has the exact same name as a guard, uh, from like two classes ago that the Broncos took Connor McGovern, same, same name, same position. Uh, that Connor McGovern is actually from Fargo. And so that's why that name goofed me up so much kind of during the earlier part of, of this uh, process, Ryan Bates, another Penn state guy that can really, really move. And then um, another guy to kind of pay attention to is, is uh, well, they're both, Either Elton Jenkins or Eric McCoy, if you think either of them can play anything but center, are high, high-level athletes. And for me, are uh, center two and center three. Yeah, and I think I think Elton can. He He's yeah. the guy that I would be willing to say could probably play guard. Um, I don't think McCoy can. I don't know what your thoughts on him are, uh, but he he's another guy that kind of reminds me of, like, the Corey Lindsley type that I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be a center. Um, but if it's in the mid-rounds that, you know – Corey Lindsley has not, I mean, he's been healthy lately, but you can never have too many guys that can, that can block on your football team. Um, two other guys that I, I really like too. I'll give you the other, the fun name to say, and his name is Yosua, Yosua Opeta. 
and he's uh, he is from Weber State. He's a, a left. He played left tackle at Weber State. So sound familiar here? You have an elite athlete that played tackle in college that's going to kick inside. Um, he had a nine point eight two RAS, which is super elite. I mean, so this is a guy that when you put on his film, you see him just out athleting out out, out athleting people. Um, in college, just he didn't face a lot of competition that just could, quite frankly, meet him as far as where he's at, where he's at as an athlete. So he is a project. He's a guy that he's a day three type guy. Would not be surprised if he goes undrafted. Um, but he's the type of player that I think he just has such such at raw athletic ability that I think he'd be a fun guy to take a flyer on. Um, my last guy that I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about is one of my draft crushes this year. And he doesn't really fit with what the Packers do, but his name is Phil Haynes. He's from Wake Forest. He played guard, played on a terrible team at Wake Forest, but this guy is an absolute mauler. I mean, he he is your phone booth type of guy. I tweeted a couple of gifs of him just because he absolutely puts people in the ground. Um, he, I think he would fit better in a, in like a gap power type system. Um, but that's not to say he's not a good athlete. They didn't ask him to do very many zone blocking things at Wake Forest, but he has a plus nine RAS. So if you would take him, you would do it under, you know, under the caveat of you think you can teach him basically to play in this zone blocking type system. And he would be one of those rare types of guys that not only can he move, but he can also he can make you pay for it, too, when he gets there. So those are guys that, you know, I just think would be interesting for the Packers in mid rounds. Ross. If you have anything else to talk about today, you know, this will be a shorter episode. Interior offensive line is not is not the sexiest of positions, but it's uh, one that if you go back and look at the Packers 2010, 2011, when that offense was really humming, you know, there's a case to be made about Rodgers playing his best football when he had T.J. Lang and Josh Sitton up in front of him, two all-pro level type guards. Yeah, it's it's hard, you know, I, I, I try, you know, talk to people like Owen Reese, um, offensive lineman, you know, around the North Dakota State program, coaches. Uh, but, you know, I was I was a, not anymore, but I was a skinny kid. I played wide receiver in safety uh, for the for the little bit that I played organized football. And um, I, I just I don't understand that much about the position. So it's hard for me to kind of fake that and super deep dive into uh, you know, in the hand placement or, or things of, of that nature. And so um, it's just hard to go on <laughs> forever and ever about it. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Actually when, um, cause you know, we did the draft guide over at, uh, at Arrowhead pride too. And that was only four of us. And when we were splitting up positions, you know, one of the things that we all talked about was, you know, what, what do you think your you know your best you what evaluations are you most comfortable with and which ones are you least comfortable with and the ones that I was least comfortable with was absolutely uh interior offensive line play just because for the same things that you just said there's so many intricacies to that position that it you know from the untrained eye it's it's tough it's just tough you know so we rely probably on things that are obvious like the guys I talked about they have obvious things that stand out to them but there are so many times that you'll hear, you know, an offensive lineman taken and I'm just like, well, okay, well, I'm just going to trust that he's good, you know? Um, and that's kind of how it is too. But, you know, so the guys we talked about are kind of your, 
your consensus top guys and then guys that, you know, for whatever reason stood out to us on when we watched them on film. So, um, I, and, and, you know, and then looking also at like you're talking about with your RAS board, guys that typically the Packers have been interested in in the past based off of their athletic profiles. So with that said, hopefully Ross and I will look smart when it comes, you know, to that weekend and they'll take a couple of these guys in the mid rounds. And then everything we just said about our lack of, uh, ability with the interior offensive line you can forget about and tell us how good we are at it so um with that said you know we got nothing else to to give you guys uh kind of a slow week in packers news after you know kind of the firestorm that was last week which was kind of a nice change of pace to be honest so um ross and i will be on i think two more times this month to talk draft stuff um but it's close guys we're getting within you know we got a week on thursday so we're getting there hang in there um, and, and until we talk to you guys next time, go back. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over, gets the snap. Back pedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good Adams! 30! Turns up field, 25! Cutting right to the 20! 15! 10! 5! Devontae Adams to the south end zone for the touchdown! Rodgers looks it over, starts to his left. Now he moves, starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, being flushed. Rolling left, winds up. Rainbows it high and deep into the end zone. It's hot. What did it caught? It is caught for a touchdown.